Thank you so much. Let's pray. Our Father, what a what a great introduction to what you have to say to us today. Lord, I pray that you will guide us. Um, for some of us, guide us in our discomfort. For some of us, Lord, guide us in accepting what your word says, what Jesus says. Father, whatever you have for us today, I pray that we would have ears to hear and that our hearts and minds would be willing to consider uh, the truth of your word. And may the results of our study today bring you glory in many lives and homes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn again to the book of Mark as we continue our series through that gospel. Book of Mark, we're in the 10th chapter. So we've gotten past the halfway point in our series. Chapter 10, the first 12 verses today. Let me read it first so that you uh, see and hear uh, what it has to say before we go through it. Verse 1, Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. As you can see, we come to one of those elephants in the room subjects, right? But it's clear that um, the subject of this passage in Mark, and we want to cover what's in Mark, is the subject of divorce. So just out of curiosity, you know, when you... When you picked up your study sheet or you looked at the bulletin and you saw the title of today's message, which was just the one word, divorce, be honest now. What did you think? What were your thoughts? I suppose it's possible some had a positive response because you were maybe thinking, good, 
I want to know what the Bible has to say about this. It's also possible that if you have experienced in your past divorce, you felt uncomfortable seeing the title of the message. And uh, maybe even had thoughts, oh great, he's probably going to judge me. Going to make me have to go and dig up all that past memory stuff. Or maybe others saw the title and thought, because they're actually considering the subject right now, I know what he's going to do. He's going to try and talk me out of it. And good luck. I don't know how you responded, but this subject gets responses. The subject of divorce. Let me give you some uh, some introductory uh, items before we uh, go right into the passage. First of all, I did some checking. This is the only time in the book of Mark where Mark records anything that Jesus taught about the subject of marriage and divorce. This is the only time recorded in this gospel where Jesus teaches on that subject. Now, he does mention marriage in chapter 12 when he talks about how there won't be any marrying in heaven. But the whole subject of that conversation is the resurrection. It's really not marriage. He just mentions marriage um, as a tiny part of that conversation. So really what we're going to see today is the only recorded teaching by Jesus on marriage and divorce in the book of Mark. Um, Secondly, if as we've been talking and suggesting through this series, um, the primary audience that Mark has in mind as he presents the life and ministry of Jesus would be the Roman person, it probably would be helpful to understand that in the Roman Empire at that time, most marriages were arranged either by authorities or family, most of them. And at that time in the Roman Empire, divorce was very easy. Talk about no fault. All a man had to do in the Roman Empire was say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Leave. And that was it. All a man had to do was say, we are divorced. He just had to declare that. And the marriage was over. If he had any kindness in him at all, he might write it in a letter to the wife. But divorce was very simple in the Roman Empire as Jesus walked on this earth. I don't know if you believe this or not, but we're getting more like the Roman Empire all the time as far as our our culture On many subjects, in many areas, we're getting more and more like the Roman Empire. And on this subject as well, we know it. Uh, In our culture, divorce is getting easier and easier and easier. Um, uh, It's too bad, but it's happening. I've, uh, I've married 115 couples over the years. 
And I've got three more this summer I'm excited about. So it'll go up to, what's that, 118. Um, and it's pretty safe to say that 100% of those 115 couples that I've married, in some way during our pre-marriage sessions, they have indicated that divorce will be no option. And there are some of those 115 marriages that are no longer functioning. So obviously, between when they told me divorce would be no option and today, something took place. Something changed that declaration. Something came along and superseded it. And divorce took place. And it's common. Thank God it's not as common among the 115 couples I've married as it is in our culture. But it's common. And it's common among Christians. Percentages, you look at statistics, pretty much the same. As far as marriages of unbelievers and God's people. Uh, the last introductory item, and then we'll go into the text. Uh, as we go through this, you might get frustrated because we're not going to deal with any what-ifs or what-abouts. Because Jesus doesn't deal with any what-ifs or what-abouts. So if you have any what-ifs or what-abouts, you're going to have to bring them up in conversations outside of this morning because we don't have time to deal with all the what-ifs and what-abouts. We're just going to see what the text here says. So let's go to the text. What we see happening here is that Jesus is being asked a question about divorce. Uh, verse 2. The question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? You could say the question is, is it okay? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Is it okay, Jesus? Who is asking the question? It's the Pharisees, right? Jesus didn't bring this up. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus is teaching the crowds like he often did. And then in verse 2, it says some Pharisees, religious leaders, came and asked this question. So you have to picture the situation. Jesus, like usual, has a crowd around him, and he's teaching them. And these Pharisees come and become part of the crowd, and at some point, maybe when Jesus had to take a breath, and there was a pause, the Pharisees speak up. And they have a question. And it's probably about a subject he isn't even talking about. And they ask a question about divorce. So it's the religious leaders that bring it up here. Why are they asking Jesus this question? We're told. It says in verse 2, some Pharisees came and tested him. That's why they asked him this question. It was a test. They're testing Jesus. Why would this be a testing question? It's because they bring up a subject that was already uh, a pretty big controversy within the Jewish faith at that time. Divorce hasn't always um, been something that has been off the table. 
Divorce has always been a controversial subject, and it was here in the Jewish faith. And there were two main camps in the Jewish faith concerning divorce, two major teachings. And there was a prominent rabbi who um, taught each one. There was Rabbi Hillel. Rabbi Hillel in the Jewish faith was kind of a, a part of the liberal wing of the Jewish faith. His teaching on divorce was basically what we would call no fault to an extreme. His teaching was that you can divorce for any reason whatsoever. Serious, not serious. Rational, not rational. Little, big. Um, that was his teaching. Um, if you want out of the marriage, just go ahead. That was his, his teaching. Any reason. Then there was Rabbi Shammai. He was a part of the conservative wing of the religious faith. And Rabbi Shammai taught that divorce was only acceptable in the case of adultery or things that might border on adultery, you know. Uh, maybe not actually um, adultery has taken place, but things are happening that kind of border on it. But it all kind of uh, had to do with adultery and unfaithfulness in the marriage. And uh, Rabbi Shammai taught that that's the only reason that you would divorce and end the marriage. And so there was already this controversy going on. So now can you see why the Pharisees asked Jesus this question to test him? What's the test? What might be the motive here? We're going to get Jesus to take sides. We're going to get Jesus today to go on the record. We're going to get him to take the side of Rabbi Hillel or to take the side of Rabbi Shammai. Either way, whichever side Jesus chooses, the other side will be upset and will be against him. See the test? They think they've got him. It's an opportunity to turn some people against him. And so they asked the question to test Jesus. The question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus gives his answer. And Mark records it in the next verses. His response begins with him asking a question. The first thing he does is responds to their question with a question. And he brings up Moses. And notice in verse 3, Jesus replied, What did Moses command you? What did Moses say about it? Verse 4, They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Or divorce her. We need to find out what they're talking about. They're referring to Deuteronomy 24, 
1. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. Here, here was Moses teaching that they're referring to. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house. And then it goes on. Um, that's what they're referring to. This certificate of divorce that Moses came up with. There in Deuteronomy 24.1. And so it looks like prior to this certificate of divorce concept, uh, men in the Jewish culture at that time, back in the days of Moses, were able, for any reason, if, 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 if the wife displeased him or if he thought there was something indecent about her, and I suppose he could define indecent, um, he could write up this certificate of divorce. Prior to Moses coming up with this law, they didn't even have to do that. It was a lot like Rome in Jesus' time. The Jewish men could just decide this is it and send them on their way, the wife. It was just an oral thing. I don't want to be married to you anymore. Go. I, I don't like this about you. Go. We're done. Um, the certificate of divorce was Moses. Well, notice what Jesus says. He says in Mark, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. I think what Jesus is saying is Moses didn't write this law, didn't come up with this certificate of divorce idea in order to put his stamp of approval or God's stamp of approval on divorce. Jesus says he came up with this certificate of divorce concept because of your hard hearts. I think what he means is it was happening, and it was happening in a way that was harmful to the women. And so Moses came up with this certificate of divorce concept to protect the women, to make it more difficult to divorce them, to have some kind of formal procedure of putting together this certificate of divorce. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying Moses wasn't okaying divorce. Divorce was happening. Moses came up with a way to Protect the women. Make it harder to divorce. More formal. Took more time. More thought has to go into it. Thus, the certificate of divorce, it was called. The important thing in Mark, when Jesus responds to this, is that he says in verse 6, but at the beginning of creation... God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He clears the air on this certificate of divorce thing with Moses. 
to make sure they understand that wasn't God's stamp of approval on divorce. It was a way for when it happened, the women were protected. It became a more difficult, formal process. And then what Jesus, after explaining that, says is, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis. And he goes back, right? And he goes back to Genesis 1.27 first. And he reminds them that God created male and female, man and woman. Then he goes back to Genesis 2.24 and quotes it word for word. The very first teaching ever in the Bible on marriage. And he quotes it. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Right out of Genesis 2.24. That's what Jesus brings the Pharisees, who know these scriptures, back to. The answer to their question about divorce is not found in Deuteronomy 24.1. The answer to their question about divorce is found in Genesis one. And two, I think that's what Jesus is indicating. And he doesn't want to talk about divorce, which is the subject of the question. He wants to talk about what? Marriage, which is really the issue. And so he takes them back, reminds them of the teaching in Genesis 2.24, a teaching about change. A man will leave his father and mother. There's a change in relationship with the parents as you begin your own family. A teaching that talks about change then talks about covenant. Where the spirits of these two people, the man and the woman, are united in a covenant with one another called marriage before God. But a covenant as they're united Glued together is the meaning of the word in Hebrew back there. They're glued together, united in spirit, in this covenant of marriage. There's the change, there's the covenant, and then there's the consummation, the becoming one flesh that comes after the covenant, the union of their spirits. But there's the consummation physically, the becoming one flesh. And that's the first teaching on marriage. And that's where Jesus brings the Pharisees in answering their question. I think he's saying the answer to your question is not found in what Moses said in Deuteronomy 24.1. That just happened to protect the women. Not to put a stamp of approval on divorce. He wanted them to go further back and see God's original design for marriage. And so he reminds them of Genesis 2.24, and then notice what he says in verse 9. Therefore, because of God's original design for marriage, 
that a man and a woman are no longer two, but one. Because of this covenant, this union, he says, therefore, here's his conclusion. What God has joined together. Let man not separate. We hear that often in weddings. We hear it often toward the end of a wedding, right? We hear it often toward the end of the wedding after there's been a pronouncement. Pronounce you husband and wife and then the pastor might say, and what God has joined together, let no man separate. And those words just kind of fly by us and we go to the reception and we celebrate. Those words cannot fly by us. They are the words of Jesus. As he presents God's original design for marriage, he said what God has joined together, what God has brought together, glued together in spirit and in body, let no man separate. So when... When they walk away then after Jesus has said that and answered their question in that way, they go into a house and the disciples want to follow up on what Jesus said. And you notice in verse 10, it says, when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, about how he'd answer the question. And he answered. He gave them some more information. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. You divorce your wife and you remarry, that's adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. That's really uncomfortable, isn't it? That's really uncomfortable. But who's saying it? It's Jesus. There must be something to it. It's Jesus. Let me suggest to you that in this narrative, Jesus does not side with Rabbi Hillel. Okay? There's no indication here at all that he would side with the teaching of Rabbi Hillel that you can divorce for any reason whatsoever. If you want out, you're out. He's not, in a sense, uh, siding with Moses even. I mean, he, he's not saying what Moses did back there approved of divorce. He, he's not using that as a way to approve of divorce. He, he's saying, that happened because of the hardness of your hearts. Men were mistreating the women. They were harming them. Moses just did that to make it more difficult to protect the women. I want to suggest Jesus was not siding with Rabbi Shammai either, who taught that um, you could divorce for adultery or just anything that bordered on that. I want to suggest that Jesus' answer 
goes beyond any of those. Jesus' answer goes to a much stricter level than either rabbi because he says what God has joined together, let no man separate. He could have just as well said, guys, no divorce. Isn't that what he's saying? What God has joined together, let no man separate. He's saying no divorce. He's not taking any side. And remember, it's a test. That's the idea of this text. It's a test. And they're not able to get him to cooperate. Because he wants to focus on what? Marriage. He wants to focus on God's original intent for marriage. He doesn't want to focus on divorce. And when his disciples follow up, he then makes a statement, and you'll have to just think through this on those verses. He makes a statement about remarriage. Not divorce. He says, if a man divorces his wife and remarries, that's adultery. If a woman uh, divorces her husband and remarries, that's adultery. Really, his subject in answering that question by the disciples was remarriage. It was about remarriage, if divorce happens. Now, I'm going to break a rule in just a minute here. Okay? I want you to turn to Matthew. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, we're going to go to another gospel. Uh, and not totally stick with Mark here, because we have to see some very important information that Matthew includes um, in this narrative, as well as uh, another time Jesus taught on this subject. So go to Matthew 5, first of all. Matthew 5. Um, this is Matthew's account of what we have called the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, Jesus brings up this subject in verse 31. He says, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. So he he brings that up again. Verse 32, But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, and here's something that Mark didn't record that, that Matthew does twice. We'll see the second one soon. He says, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, porneia, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. So when Matthew records the teaching of Jesus on this, he includes what people have called this exception. Jesus says, um, if, if a man or woman divorces the spouse, except for adultery, Um, unfaithfulness, the remarriage becomes adultery. And then in Matthew 19, we have Matthew's record of the same conversation that we're looking at in Mark. And I don't know why Mark left this out. Um, um, I guess I would say I don't know why Peter left it out, because probably Mark got his information from Peter. 
But Matthew adds this, um, and Matthew was there. He heard it. But in uh, Matthew 19, it's pretty much the exact same response by Jesus. But then you come to uh, verse 8 of Matthew 19, and Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness, porneia, and marries another woman, commits adultery. So Matthew, in even the same conversation, his record of it includes that. Same uh, little mention of unfaithfulness that Jesus mentioned earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. So I think it's important to add that. That's why I am willing to cheat today and go to another gospel writer. Uh, for some reason, Mark doesn't include that, and it seems to be pretty important um, in, in my thinking. It seems to be pretty important. So, Jesus responds to the question. He responds with a question. He kind of clears up the certificate of divorce concept that might have been used uh, as an approval for a divorce. He then brings them back to God's original design for marriage, and based on God's original design, Jesus' conclusion is, what God has joined together, let no man separate. His conclusion is even stricter than the two rabbis. How does Jesus' teaching apply to today? I mean, even at this point, like I said earlier, I know that there are what-ifs going through your mind. I know there are probably some what-abouts, but none of those are dealt with here, so we're not going to deal with them. We don't have time. They can be discussed in, in other conversations. But how does this apply? How does what we see here apply to today? Or does it apply to today? I guess that's a question we have to ask because there are people out there who have an answer to it, right? And their answer is it doesn't apply for today. That was then. This is now, they'll say. Over time, culture has evolved, they would say. Because culture is so important. Culture has evolved. We've become more progressive. And what Jesus said and what Genesis 2 says and what the other scriptures say doesn't apply. Let me just toss this out. I don't think we've become more progressive. I think we have been moving downward toward being Roman Empire-like. That's not being progressive. That's not evolving as a culture. That's going downward as we become more and more like the Roman Empire of Jesus' day. When we think about applying these things, I hope you can understand this. In Scripture, there is pre-cross teaching about marriage and divorce. Teaching about it that was given before the cross of Jesus. Okay? That's just chronological. And 
That makes it kind of general, just kind of a general universal truth about marriage and divorce. And so we've seen some of those pre-cross teachings. We saw Genesis 2, 24, that Jesus referred to. We saw Matthew 5. We saw Matthew 19. We saw here Mark 10, where Jesus talks about marriage and divorce. One other important pre-cross teaching on it is in the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi. Malachi chapter 2. Starting in verse 13. Malachi says uh, to the people, Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because... He no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you've broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. He has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit. They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord. So guard yourself in your spirit. Do not break faith. Do not break that covenant. And, of course, God is quoted as saying, I hate divorce. That's a pretty strong statement. That's pretty clear on God's feelings about the subject. And you can understand why, if you do what Jesus did, go back to the beginning and the original design. Then you understand why God hates divorce. And we can say God hates divorce, but God loves the people that get divorces. And that's a true statement. I mean, if you take each piece by itself, you know, God does hate divorce. That's what it says. God does love people who get divorced, right? That's true. But what we tend to do is we take a statement like that. God hates divorce, but he loves the person who gets a divorce. And we decide to camp on, but he loves the person who gets a divorce. And we don't stop to think how serious that first part is. God hates it. It violates his original design. No wonder Jesus says, well, God is joined together. Let no man separate. So those are the teachings pre-cross. But there are post-cross teachings on marriage and divorce. And by post-cross, I mean teachings that came after the death and resurrection of Jesus, teachings that came when Christianity was in play, right? Because it really wasn't Christianity until after the cross, The church was after the cross, the body of Christ, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in every one of God's people was post-cross, right? So, what was the teaching on marriage and divorce after the cross? When you had Christianity, salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the church. 
First Corinthians chapter seven. This would be post cross. First Corinthians seven has the teaching changed from pre cross. First Corinthians seven. Starting at verse 10. Paul is writing to Christians. Okay. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord, because the Lord already talked about this. So Paul is just repeating it. So it's still applicable, apparently. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does... She must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Did the teaching change after the cross? It didn't. It didn't change. But Paul adds a teaching that wasn't presented before the cross to the believers. Verse 12, to the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean he's making some claim you know, about himself. He's just saying the Lord didn't deal with this. He didn't mention this. Okay? To the rest I say, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. If a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. Now, that was not taught pre-cross. But after the cross, Christianity, the church, indwelt by the Spirit, there were mixed marriages. And the teaching was, if the unbeliever is willing to stay in the marriage, you don't divorce them. And he goes on to say, if the unbeliever wants out, Notice verse 15. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us, uh, called us to live in peace. If the unbeliever wants out, let them go. And you're no longer bound. So, so that was an extra teaching. So you have much of the general teaching based on God's original design that was pre-cross, repeated after the cross. And then you have that one extra teaching that wasn't talked about pre-cross, taught after about mixed marriages and, and, and divorce. So, um, how do I wrap this up? I, I, guess, I guess what I want to just toss out there, because I think Jesus was doing it, um, And that is that the focus in this whole subject needs to be on marriage, not divorce. The Pharisees' focus in their test question was on divorce. Jesus, after clearing something up, moves the focus to marriage and God's original design. And I think it's because if you get God's original design... And if you focus on God's original design for marriage, a lot of your questions about divorce will be answered. 
But see, it's so easy to focus on divorce. And so we ask the question, what does the Bible say about divorce? According to the Bible, what are my rights here? Uh, when is it okay to be divorced? That, that's like a teenager in a dating relationship asking his youth pastor, how far can I go? That's the wrong question. Focusing on divorce and asking all those questions are the wrong questions. We need to do what Jesus did, go back to the beginning and focus on God's original design for marriage. And the questions become, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say are my responsibilities in my marriage? How can my marriage be restored and grow? Those are the questions. And if we focus on those, guess what? A lot of our questions about divorce are just taken care of. But we tend to focus on the wrong subject. We've got to go back to the design for marriage by the Creator. Focus on marriage. Remember what Malachi said. Besides that God hates divorce, remember he said, guard your spirit. Do not break faith. What's breaking faith? He says it's breaking that covenant you entered. Guard your spirit. Don't break faith. I would say instead of asking all the questions about divorce, we should revisit our covenant. We should revisit the altar and the commitments we made. And we should focus on marriage and what God says about marriage and what his intent is for marriage and what he says about my responsibilities. And focus on that. And focus on the restoration of our marriage back to what God intended because that hasn't changed even after the cross. In fact, in Ephesians 5, after the cross, we have a new teaching on marriage. Remember? After the cross, God says, now in a Christian marriage, there is to be this parallel, this object lesson to the world of my relationship with my people, the church. And so the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And the church and the wife is says. Submit to and respect her husband like the church does to Christ. That's a new teaching after the cross. With the help of the Spirit of God in the believers, in our marriages, we are to give the world this picture through our marriages of the relationship between Christ and his church. And here's the question. In that picture that a Christian marriage is to give to the world, that parallel, where does divorce fit? What does divorce tell the world about the relationship between Christ and the church? And friends, as Christians, we have the Spirit of God living in us. There's some power there. There's some ability there for living according to God's design and for restoration. My final comment, and you'll have lots of questions, I'm sure. My final comment.
Just think about what we've learned so far in Mark. Let's just stick with our study. What has, what has Mark revealed to us about Jesus? Jesus has power over disease. He's able to heal any disease. Seen that, right? In the book of Mark, we have learned that Jesus has power over the spirit world. Evil spirits. He has that much power. In Mark, we've learned that Jesus has the power over death. He can raise the dead. In Mark, we've learned that Jesus has power over the laws of nature. Storms, seas, wind. He can feed thousands with a little fish and bread. He has that kind of power over the laws of nature. And having seen that about Jesus in Mark, then we come to your marriage. Are we going to say that the Jesus who has the power of a disease, the power over the spirit world, the power over the laws of nature, the power over death itself, can't help us have the kind of marriage he designed us to have? What are we saying about Jesus that we've gotten to know in the book of Mark? There's hope. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this word. Help us to sort out, Lord, um, the things that are really there in what Jesus said and these other scriptures say. And, and, and Father, bring us back to your intent. Bring us back to your design. May that be the most important thing on our minds. And Father, I pray for every marriage here that we just keep focusing on marriage focusing on the Jesus who has the power to make our marriages what they need to be and focusing on what our role in that is. And, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may you restore, may you heal, may you reconcile, may you show yourself great. In the name of Jesus, amen.